So, I can see the t-shirts now. Embrace the weird. I like it. Embrace the weird. If you don't take anything to, from today, take that. Embrace the weird. Lord God, as we enter into this time of reflection and meditation on your word, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that we would hear with ears that are attentive, with minds that are willing, with a heart ready for transformation to embrace what you have for us this day. And thank you for this opportunity. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I don't know about you, but growing up, I suffered from this thing called lateritis. Lateritis. Have you, did, did any of you know what I'm talking about here? Lateritis. Here's how the conversations would go in my house growing up. Robert, yes, mom, take out the trash. Okay, I'll do it later. Right? Robert, wash the dishes. Yes, mom, wash the dishes. Okay, I'll do it later. And, and I think it's uh, probably something in the DNA because my daughters have the same thing, right? <laughs> Hannah, do this. You know, I'll do it later. I heard. It's, it's Sarah, do this, I'll do it later. Or, yes, okay. They've learned how to, how to say I'll do it later without actually saying I'll do it later. It's sort of like when they ask me uh, if we can do something and I say, I'll think about it. Well, they've learned that I'll think about it. It's probably no, right? And so they've learned how to answer that question without saying I'll do it later. But I, I suffered from this for a long time, even into adulthood, lateritis. I don't know if any of you have had that same dilemma. Uh, and sometimes it comes down to what I call selective lateritis. Especially those things that I don't really want to do. Those things that I don't enjoy, I keep putting off for later. And then by the time you realize it, <laughs> you got a mess on your hands. I also have experienced that thing called someday. Someday. Someday I'll start waking up earlier. Right? Someday I'll quit wasting so much time. Someday the credit card companies will lose all my records. <laughs> Still waiting for that. Someday I'll win the lottery. I didn't win it this Friday. I mean, I'm not a billionaire yet. Here's one. Someday my metabolism will increase and the fat will just melt away. That's going to happen. I, I believe it. Someday I'll start making a difference. And that's what I want to look at today is the difference that we're called to make. Now the scripture that Daryl read from Proverbs 6 uh, used the word lazy bone in that particular version. In other versions, it uses the word sluggard. <laughs> sluggard. I, I, I love that word. Uh, what is a sluggard? 
It's a slug who moves very slowly. A slug is a snail-like creature that has no shell, that rolls along on a slow, seamless, seemingly purposeless journey. Sluggards are, in a word, lazy bones. Now, I've thought about that. What does it mean to be a lazy bone? Well, there's three things that stand out for me as we continue this sermon series on the wisdom in Proverbs. Three things that stand out regarding the possibility that we might be sluggards or lazy bones. The first thing that stands out is that most lazy bones, most sluggards are procrastinators, right? Putting off for tomorrow what you could do today. I, had, I have some of that. Most sluggards, most lazy bones are excuse makers. Well, there's a reason why I didn't do it, right? And most sluggards continue to procrastinate and continue to make excuses. So procrastination breeds procrastination and excuses breed excuses. And so what that results in is, is what we're actually going to talk about. The lack of initiative. Lack of taking initiative. And so this morning we're going to talk about taking initiative. And why we should take initiative for the things that we're called to do. You know, when I, when I entered the process for ordained ministry back in 1995 is when I started the process. It's a long time ago. One of the things that they made me do was read a book called The Road Less Traveled by M. Peck Scott, or Scott Peck. The Road Less Traveled. And it was a great read. I really enjoyed it. But there was one thing that really stood out and has impacted me pretty much all of my last 28 years. And it was a quote that was attributed to a really complicated individual. It was a quote attributed to, to Eldridge Cleaver. How many of you have heard of Eldridge Cleaver? Complicated man. I mean, here Eldridge Cleaver was uh, in the 60s with a, a leader in the Black Panther Party, right? Believing that, that anything was Nothing was off limits when it came to fighting oppression, when it came to fighting poverty, when it came to fighting the boot of the man. Everything was okay. He then became, um, he went from becoming a Black Panther to becoming a Muslim, to becoming a born-again Christian, uh, to becoming a, uh, a member of the Latter-day Saints, to becoming a Republican and so he just went all over the place. But he said something 
that was so profound that I still hold on to it today. And here's the quote from Cleaver. If you are not part of the solution, then you are part of the problem. If you are not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And that reminded me of another quote from another man who has impacted my life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer says, not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. These things have impacted me all my life, all my ministry life. From the time I heard my call into pastoral ministry, I had a strong desire to make a difference in the world, to make a difference in people's lives. That's what motivated me. That's what moved me, to make a difference. I wanted to be part of life solutions and not be a contributor to its problems. And I believe then and I believe now in my heart and with all my heart that the gospel message of Jesus Christ is the single most meaningful contribution to addressing the problems of life. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is the most powerful solution to life's problems. I believe that completely and wholeheartedly that Jesus makes that much difference in our lives or that Jesus can make that much difference. The transformation that occurs when Jesus gets a hold of you is life-changing. And when he truly gets a hold of you, the way you interact with others is transformed. It's transformational. The way you deal with your neighbor, the way you deal with your family, the way you deal with your enemy begins to change. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is the most powerful solution to life's problems. But here is where I struggled. I had an issue with procrastination. And Diane can tell you that sometimes that still pops up when she's asking me to do something. Right? We've got selective hearing sometimes. Huh? I didn't hear you. What? I didn't hear you. Procrastination. Now, thankfully, I think I've gotten better with this over the years. Have I, hon? Oh, I got thumbs up. We're good. All right. Now, whether you want to call it laziness, sluggishness, slothfulness, whichever slow-moving word you choose, procrastination will shut you down. And then it'll lead to making excuses for your lack of performance, your lack of diligence, your lack of discipline. 
And then the excuses begin to pile up. But it wasn't until I had what I would call an intimate and personal encounter with the living God. The God of all creation. That I finally got serious about my calling. Serious about my purpose, right? There's an old Dallas Holmes song. How many of you remember Dallas Holmes? Rise again and I'll rise again. I can't sing, so I'm not going to try. He had a song that said, Jesus got a hold of my life. And he won't let me go. Jesus got into my heart. He got into my soul. I used to be oh so sad. But now I'm just free and glad. Because Jesus got a hold of my life. And he won't let me go. And so when Jesus gets a hold of you and begins to transform you begins to create that new creation within you. With that comes an awakening. That I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to make a difference. Now, this week, Daryl sent me something via email uh, that really impacted the way I finished writing this sermon. Uh, because we've been talking about wisdom. That's the whole point of this series, right? A series on wisdom. Uh, what I learned and what the material Daryl sent me was that we don't become wiser simply by consuming wisdom. We don't become wiser simply by consuming wisdom. We, come, we become wiser through taking action with the wisdom we've consumed. Taking what you've learned and putting it into practice is how you become wiser, right? And that's what we, we want to learn to do. How do we live this life that we're called to? How do we become uh, more complete followers of Jesus Christ? By taking what we've learned and putting it into action to make a difference. Wisdom is something that develops with time and effort. We're called to challenge ourselves to look at situations from different perspectives in order to learn from them, to examine our behavior, and to develop compassion for wider circles. To develop compassion for wider circles means to develop compassion for more people. See, we start off thinking about ourselves and then those around us. And wisdom would teach us that we're all interconnected. We're all in this together. 
And if we will learn to live together, considering one another, we begin to make decisions based on that knowledge. It's not just about me. I'm called to take initiative that not only impacts me, but impacts you. And impacts the people I can't even see. We're called to make a difference in the lives of friends and neighbors and strangers. And that takes initiative to step beyond self into community. With that in mind, the initiative we take needs to come from a place of wisdom. Now, written wisdom can give you powerful and inspiring ideas about how to direct your action. It can serve like a north star. But there's no way to skip the work of becoming wiser. To become wiser, you need to grapple with these issues, with these ideas. You need to test and try them in your own lives. And you need to internalize them through trial and error. As the ancient Roman philosopher Seneca once said, no man was ever wise by chance. No man was ever wise by chance. So what's next? What's next for us? As we consider taking initiative, here's the guiding question I want want us to ask ourselves. What is my, what is our next faithful step where is God leading that's a little different than where do I want to go what do I want to do what is our next faithful step as it relates to the will of God in our lives Three things we would consider as we seek to answer this question is first, seek perspective. Who does this benefit? Who does this hurt? What are the ripple effects of what we're called to do? Second, examine yourself. What would I do in this moment if someone were watching me? What can I learn from this situation? Are the choices I'm going to make going to move me closer or further away from my values? And then thirdly, continue to develop compassion. 
what would constitute a good outcome for everyone involved? What's the choice that benefits the greater good? And is the choice I'm making leading to more love and compassion in the world around me? My friends, we have all been called to be part of life's solutions. Each and every one of us has something to contribute to life's solutions. We've been called to be a part of life's solutions by sharing as believers in Jesus Christ, by sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here's another one of Bonhoeffer's quotes. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. We, my friends, are called to take initiative. To take action as citizens of the kingdom of God. But we are called to do so with the ever-increasing wisdom that God provides. And so my prayer for all of us today is that Jesus would indeed get a hold of our lives. That he would truly get into our hearts and our souls. Because I know that if he will, and if we will allow him in, he ain't ever letting go. Let us pray. Jesus, get a hold of my life. And don't ever let go. Jesus, get into my heart, into my soul, into my very being. And lead me, lead us to take the initiative you've called. And being change agents and being part of life's solutions. And not part of life's problems. We thank you. For being so faithful. Help us. To be faithful too. Amen.